0: Cleveland, I'm back from the dead. It's a new season, and I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright, right, right. Guys, Ian, I'm not happy, mate. The intro's changed. You know, I go offline for a couple of weeks and everything changes. Ian, what's
1: going on? Everything is going great, but Paul, when you leave us these giant Shaquille O'Neal size 27 shoes to fill. There's only so much I can do. So I have to pay homage to Joe Tate. I have to come up with something. I don't have the bellowing vocals and the tones that you do. Because whenever I tried to do a British accent, it just comes out like a drunken Indian guy.
0: That is correct, mate. I would say more of a drunken Bangladesh. Actually, I probably won't say that because I'll probably get cancelled again. But yeah, so um, yeah, anyway... Guys, I've really missed you. Um, the feeling is that free agent's really exciting. A lot of value picks. Jack, you're absolutely smashing the Browns Twitter space. All I see is people resharing you. You're like, you you know, you're nearly as big as uh, Sir Yacht. You know, mate, that's how big you are in the uh, Browns Twitter world.
2: It's been a crazy, crazy free agency. I put a lot of time in it and you're like, hey, hopefully I'll hit on a few guys. Now we're at 11 of 14 of the free agents they've added, are guys on my list. Um, yeah, it, it's been nuts, to say the least. And I've had great fun. Um, fantastic time of the year. Um, it's where everything roster building comes together. And even you get into the trade debate, which I, I haven't really written too much on, but I said none of these expensive trades make sense. Judy, more, this could potentially happen. And lo and behold, we went there.
1: I was Hang on, a minute, reliably Jack. Told
0: Hang the on joke. a minute, Jack. Did you just copy the information from Mary Kay because she
2: also predicted it? I was doing it a month or two before Mary Kay, so uh, just just a little bit. And also, I might have written on 600 free agents, but
0: I didn't predict them all to come to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Mary Kay, point. as a listener of the show, that wasn't a dig; it was just a truth. Some
1: truth. So. Uh, Anyway, do you, th- do you think she has Jack's voice blocked as well as his Twitter?
0: Um actually I did ask her to unblock you, Jack. She hasn't done it. No, she's not a fan. Wow. Wow.
1: She doesn't like cap knowledge.
0: Second I see her face to face it's my number one goal is to get Jack Duffin unblocked from Mary Kay. <laughs> um the second thing I'll say, but I'll probably say it off offline. I probably won't say it on the show. It's my second target. But um anyway. There's some breaking news. I'm on the podcast and the Cleveland Browns have signed. I believe someone who is faster than Swartz. He's the fastest guy in the NFL. Ian, who signed?
1: Marquise Goodwin, a speedy guy out of Texas. And for all those debating that title, there was a tournament of champions and his feet won it. And he won it pretty convincingly, if I'm not mistaken. So Marquise Goodwin, come on down. The Browns are waiting. So, uh, Jack, does that bring our wide receiver count up to what, 27, uh, 30? Not far off it. 14 wide receivers are
2: now under contract with the Cleveland Browns um, as we stand, which is insane in its own right. Um, and it, it was hilarious. I published my 53-man roster prediction on the OBR. Within 30 seconds, the article had to come down and be tweaked because they signed Marquise Goodwin. Um, so they they keeping me on my toes. Um, But a phenomenal signing, really, really happy with it. I I thought he was a a realistic name where they could go after him and then draft a wide receiver at 42 and have that as almost a tandem to go out and get a trade, which we'll touch on next. And then on top of that, add Marquise Goodwin is phenomenal. The guy just brings speed Um, and it brings that to the entire room. Um, All of these guys are really, really quick. Um, A massive U-turn from the David Bells of
1: this world. Yeah, and we talked Um, about this on our wide receiver pod where if you were looking at the Miko Hardmans and the the Marquise Goodwins, these are guys that are literally attacking the deep third. That's what they do. Elijah Moore, more underneath. So that's a different conversation. But Marquise Goodwin's job is what everyone hoped Anthony Schwartz's job was, and that is get behind the defense. So when Deshaun Watson wants to air one out, you got a guy down there that can track it at 4-2 speed.
0: Jack, I've been having a bit of fun with you on Twitter rating some of your um some of your some of the brown signings. How'd you rate this one out of ten? For me,
2: I, I would say this I'd love to go seven, but I'll go eight on this because I know you'd tell me off if I said seven, just because they're probably going to guarantee him nothing, and I, I'm working on the basis it's like a hundred and fifty two and a half thousand guaranteed, um, and then the rest is sort of veteran salary benefits so minimum cost comes out about 1.1 million and then the anytime you can add guys and we'll throw like Maurice Hurst in that group where you're not really guaranteeing anything but you're saying let's bring this guy in and see what it is is genuinely exciting I'm looking through the roster and I think there's 58 guys currently on the team signed who are worthy of being on NFL teams we're not talking like the westerns the fringe guys we're talking guys that have quality, and probably at the end of this training camp, either going to be on the Browns or on another team. And then we remember, that's 58. Then we're going to add eight draft picks. So now we're at 64. Well, there's nine guys on the Browns that we're going to force off and go to another team. And that is different. There has never been genuine competition and this much talent on a Cleveland Browns roster since the team come back. And I don't think it's even close.
0: Um, Jack, I feel like you used to been a little bit rude. And a bit disrespectful. Undrafted free agents, day three, you're just like not thinking about them at all, mate.
2: Hey, I'm I'm not I'm not ruling them out, but they're gonna have a tough job to come to Cleveland and get a roster spot because there is proven veterans that are not gonna make this team. And that is awesome to see. The bar is the highest it's ever been before.
1: We we talk about this often. It's about driving the lower part of your roster up. Right. And as much as we love feel good stories and Paul, we just go get them in free agency, you know, the kid out of Atlanta that we can talk about. But at the end of the day. You want guys like Marquise Goodwin to push the Anthony Schwartz's, the Jakeem Grant's, the Mike Harley's, you know, may the best man win. That's ultimately what it becomes down to. Yes. Marquise Goodwin is not taking Amari Cooper's roster spot. We get that. We're not talking about wide receiver one or wide receiver two, or even Elijah Moore at wide receiver three. I think he's pretty much safe where he's at, but four, five, six defensive tackle, three, four defensive edge, three, four cornerback, four, five. These are the positions where if a guy goes out for a play, I want a guy that's going to be able to step in. And the step is a half step down. Not I'm falling face first down a flight of stairs trying to have Tavier Thomas run boundary corner Which shout out Tavier. We loved you for what you could do, but you playing cornerback was a tough day. But then he's turned into an elite slot. See, there's what it was. We had him in the wrong spot, but yeah, no, that's the idea is let's drive the bottom of this roster's talent level up. So to the point, Jack, we get to camp. We're like, listen, there's five spots. How many spots do the chiefs have? Right. How many spots do the Eagles have? I remember. Not that long ago, we're in training camp watching the Eagles' receivers. Going, we'd take their six and seven for our three. That's what we want. We want that. <clears throat> I, know, I know Paul wants that. God, it's it's so good having you back. You're just such a sight for sore podcast eyes. Well, thanks a lot, Ian. But, that was a nice. That was a nice gaze you gave me.
0: Um, I'm just I'm just worried, mate. I'm just worried about where all these uh, wide receivers are going to go. And look, you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> Week one, we've got three wide receivers. I don't know how it's gonna happen. <laughs> this
1: is literally the po- the point Paul makes every single time. We go into camp with 20 guys, and then Jimmy Buffett is playing wide out by week two.
0: You so- wait, we're, g- we're gonna have some seventh round Steelers reject playing w- WR2 against the Ravens. Week two, you know, it happens every bloody year. It sounds so great <laughs> now. And then we've got nothing. To be fair, that's because we glorify out there on his own. That's
2: it. (laughs) So just just to jump from that's the most recent move, but obviously let's touch on the bigger move, which was a trade um, with the Jets. Seconds, minutes after McCall Hardman was signed by the Jets, so it looks like it's obviously been in the works. We send pick 42 to the Jets and receive back Elijah Moore. And pick 74. And Elijah Moore was a player that if he was still on the board, the Browns were going to take ahead of JOK. And effectively, we gave up, depending on the draft board you look at, I prefer to use the analytics one, and it's probably what the Cleveland Browns will use in their front office or a very similar version. We gave up the value of pick two one one, So a sixth-round pick is effectively what we gave up for that. Swap back. And we're going to sit there at the draft and think, we look at the board at pick 42 and go, yeah, I'm going to take Elijah Moore and whoever's there at 74 over whoever's getting picked in that spot.
1: Yeah, I, I think the biggest the biggest miss that I'm seeing on this trade has nothing to do with the trade itself. It's what fans' perception of who Elijah Moore is because if you look at it, and at first, Jack, I was like, when I, when I read the screen grab, I'm like, how did the Browns get picked 74? Because I thought it was a second and a third. And I'm like, how the hell did we get pick 74? Like, did I miss something? Cause I was in the middle of a work webinar and I looked down at my phone and the group chat was going berserk. And I'm like, uh, we did something. So either, you know, Deshaun Watson got in trouble or we made a deal. So I pull it up and I'm like, wait. And then I saw, oh, it's a pick swap. But let's remind everybody Elijah Moore is five foot nine, 180 pounds, and runs a four, three, five. He is not some Amari Cooper polished route runner over the middle. He's going to stretch the field deep with four, three speed or as O Ian has always wanted. And that's our boy, Owen Jones. Yak. He's a yak guy. He's a get the ball in his hands. Quick, short quick intermediate routes are going to be underneath the sticks with the hope that he can break a tackle and get outside and then take off. Right. You might see him on some sluggos or some doubles just to get him into that, you know, third tier of the defense. But at the end of the day, He's not the polished route runner. And I think that's probably why the jets are sitting there going, listen, we've got Alan Lazard. We've got Garrett Wilson. Like they have some serious talent at wide out in New York. So I think they looked at it and says, we don't have a problem taking one of our third round picks and bumping it up to a second round pick. And it's one of those rare trades, Jack. I don't think either fan base is unhappy.
0: Yeah, no, it needs. To yeah, so... the... Oh yeah. I'd... Sorry, Jack. Um, I've been, believe it or not i've been doing my research and asking jets fans what they say and they feel that he wasn't the greatest catcher um they also feel he was a bit of trouble and they wish him all the best going forward basically so um
1: they were happy yeah. to get an asset for him
0: yeah I, I, do, is everyone going off his draft Stock versus how he's been in the NFL. That's my question.
2: I think it's hard to judge him based on in the NFL because he pushed and wanted out last year. And the reason for that is twofold. He did not get on with the offensive coordinator and the quarterback play was shocking. If you look at his splits with Zach Wilson and then versus everyone else, we're talking Joe Flacco. There's one quarterback in that group that I've never even actually Chris, heard you've of. You've never
1: heard of Chris Treveller Yeah. Oh, come on, Jack. This is why you need to... what? No, I'm just... hes a, He came in. You love him. This guy was a bulldozer. Number 15 for the Jets. Chris Streveler, baby. Sounds like a fullback.
2: Um, and it's like that group of people, his, his efficiency is like doubled. Um, It's insane numbers. And so that's kind of... You don't know which one you're going to get. Jake Burns compares him a lot and says there's similarities to a Brandon Cooks. Obviously not quite at that polished level. Um, where Brandon Cooks already is now. But if that's what you're potentially getting as upside, that is incredibly exciting.
1: Yeah, I think the issue that Moore is going to run into, and I, I don't know, I don't know the offensive coordinator for the Jets, but he's very limited. So, you know, I went back and was reading some of the draft talk about him coming out, right? There's a lot of people that were like, oh, he's Antonio Brown and stuff. That's just, they're just taking body comp size there. Dane Brugler wrote, He has an absence of an intermediate route tree. And we're basically talking about all the mid range, right? Those 10 to 20 yard routes. So if you're the jets and you have a guy like Zach Wilson who wants to push the ball downfield Moore probably was looking at it. like, what are you guys having me do in this offense? This is not what I do. Get me a bubble screen and put these big ass blockers in front of me and let me go. That's what he did at old miss when he was averaging over 10 catches a game. And if you look Jack, He'd have 10 catches, 120 yards, and like 75 of them were yak because that's what they were. They were these quick underneath slip screens. And then what happens is, is the minute the defense checks him on a slip screen, boom, he takes off down the field. That was my best little Chris Berman. Boom! He goes up a field, and then you hit him on a deep route, right? So he's a little bit more gimmicky than I think people realize because I think people look at him as like, oh, he's like a fast Amari Cooper. No, he is not. And listen, I'm not saying a good wide receiver coach can't teach him how to how to run a slant or how to run a comeback or a curl or a dig. These are all very possible when you have the talent that Elijah Moore has. But I think that's where the Jets fans were sitting there going, he's not very efficient because in that type of offense for what they wanted to run, I'm not sure his strengths fit what they were trying to do, which is fine because his strengths fit what we want to do. So it all works out for everybody. Yeah, and you're asking him to
2: come in and be a three. And that's a a shift as well, because he was effectively, well, depending on if Corey Davis was playing, he was asked to be a bit higher in that uh, pecking order. So that's useful there. But one of the other hidden benefits versus the more trade compared to Judy, D-Hop and Cooks is the future of Amari Cooper. Because if they had gone for any of those other guys, Amari Cooper was likely gone in a year's time. They'd have had to get out the deal, save the 20 million in 2024 and move off. And instead, they've got wiggle room now. It's not saying they might still go out and potentially do that, but they've now got a nice transition between the top three. And we'll get into the bottom names because that, that's where everyone's heads go in. But they can keep Cooper for two more years. Then in, if they want to in June, July time, they could extend DPJ, give him an extra three years. So that's him under contract for four more years. Elijah Moore, they can't touch his contract this year because he's only done two years. You have to do three. And so then next season, they might go, actually, Elijah Moore's been really good. We'll give him the sort of, maybe DPJ gets 10 and then Elijah Moore gets 13, 14. If he's shown more, it could be all around the same though as well. And then he's tied up for the next four years. Um, And then they're just in this position where you can transition slowly from all the money in Amari Cooper to suddenly the money is going to be in DPJ and Moore. Obviously, it might not work out for one of those. Moore might not turn into a great player, but I'd much rather it go wrong with Elijah Moore than it goes wrong with Jerry Judy, and you've had to cut Amari Cooper because you've signed and extended Judy, and you've sort of tied yourself into that.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that I questioned was Moore's price tag being higher pre-trade because of that control, right? And if I'm a, if I'm a GM and I'm looking at Elijah Moore and I'm looking at strengths and weaknesses, bringing him here to be in the same receiver room, be on the same practice field as an Amari Cooper, I think is going to help Elijah Moore learn what he already doesn't know, right? He's not going to be asked to be the guy, right? And that was kind of his first year in the Jets before they got Garrett Wilson. He was going to come in and be the guy, which, you know, I don't think is really what he does. Then the offense goes to hell. But I think you're right. The control, the fact it is, We talk about sequencing. We talk about money. We talk about active spend. One of the reasons I didn't want Judy, the reason I didn't want Cooks, was acquisition cost. And yes, I know that uh, Judy had two years left on his original rookie deal, but it's still a lot more money that you don't have right now. So he brings an element to the offense we don't have. He gives us the cap control we need. And realistically, he plays here for two years and he doesn't really amount to anything. What's the worst you really lost? 30 spots in the draft. So there's not some big... What I call the brand, uh, you know, the Brett Veach, where you gave up all these picks to get Orlando Brown and then you let him walk. There's not that same pressure to get this guy extended because even what you gave up to him, gave up for him, kind of is okay, even if he leaves in two years. Paul, are you happy to see some speed on this team?
0: I'm just afraid that it's getting later and later until we get a draft pick.
1: Yeah, you, you're going to be able to sleep in on Thursday and most of Friday.
0: No, but with Deshaun Watson, we we missed the first round pick, and now it just seems to be going back and back and back. The draft is no fun for the Cleveland Browns this year.
1: It's no longer our Super Bowl.
0: I would say, Jack.
2: I would say the better thing they did was they didn't give up a pick, because if they'd have given up pick ninety-eight in that deal and kept pick forty-two, they'd have been the earlier pick. But then suddenly. You're losing one more cheap rookie deal that you're getting in. Whereas, effectively, all we've heard from the the draft experts that they spent time looking at all this between sort of picks 30 and 60, there's not really much of a drop off um, in terms of what they value in terms of, hey, you've got like 20 great players at the top, then you've got a nice 10, and then you've got about 30 guys that are pretty much the same, depending on what you fancy and your flavor. That's really promising because when you're picking at 74, there'll probably be one, two, three of those guys in that top 60 that they really like still on the board. So I'm genuinely excited that they're going to get a proper talent still at that spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they go and get, say, that D-tackle out of Wisconsin, Keanu Benton or somebody like that, I'm just picking up a name, you know, Isaiah Foskey, put whoever you want in there. Browns fans are going to look at it and say, oh, well, we who's the guy that we could have got at 42 that was a little bit better? Because you're right, Paul. I think... Browns fans have become accustomed to draft day fun. You know, the draft was here, first round. We're usually at the top of the draft because we suck. It's going to be different being a Browns fan because, yes, even next year, no first-round pick. So outside of more, outside of obviously us trading, or I'm sorry, trading for more and then acquiring uh, Marquise Goodwin today, since we last podcasted, obviously the Browns have brought back a few people. I'm just going to run through a couple of names, Jack, and then we can go ahead and touch a little bit on them. Most of these people are the guys you accurately predicted. Jordan Akins, Joshua Dobbs, Mike Ford, Maurice Hurst, Juan Thornhill, Matthew Adams, Tristan Hill. And then any of those guys, who do you want to touch on? Because we talked about, you know, Oboe, we talked about Dalvin Tomlinson, and we talked about um, Ethan Pochich. So I'll touch on Akins first.
2: Um, because I was very pro in this whole draft cycle of get a proven tight end because when Harrison Bryant's money jumped from what would have been 1 million this year to 2.7 because of the proven performance escalator and he's played so much, then I don't want to pay him 2.7 for what we've got. So we've brought in Akins, who is a really good tight end. He's not sort of your tight end one. He's not a superstar or anything, but in terms of the tight end twos in the league, he is going to be up there in the top two or three in the entire league. So really happy they've added him and they can now move off. So not only have they upgraded the position, they've got cheaper and then we'll draft someone. So really happy with that. That for me is one of the ones. Who do you want to touch on next? We'll do a bit of a tag team here.
1: Yeah. In terms of tight ends, I, I think you're right. I think it's about getting complementary pieces because we know Njoku is going to be the feature guy. But at the end of the day, you need another guy that if teams forget about how many times we're watching a game and we're like, who the heck is this guy? And how did they leave him wide open for a touchdown, right? Those are the type of things that we're looking for. And I think having a reliable tight end two or a tight end three and Aikens isn't the greatest blocker, but he can still throw his weight in there. Whereas I think somebody like Harrison Bryant's more of your split out type tight end. So who knows? Maybe they keep him around. Maybe it's just one of those things where, they see if there's anybody out there where you can do a late pick swap and players involve him in a trade. We'll see. Um, but the other interesting one, we've we've moved on from John Johnson the third, and now we brought in Juan Thornhill. So Thornhill, obviously the guy out of Virginia, it's just not crazy money. Jack, I think the most surprising thing about this was I had seen that his projections were a little higher. Overall, did we get kind of a bargain on Juan Thornhill or is there just something I'm missing here?
2: I just think it's really good value of what they've got out and gone. They're, they've gone and paid $7 million a year. Um, it's two years from the team option for year three. And that is just such a nice value to have. Not only have we moved on from John Johnson and I would say upgraded, we've got cheaper. Uh, and, that, and that is, hey, I've always said if you can get 90% of the production for cheaper, you do it. When you upgrade and get cheaper, well, that's that's the jackpot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be curious to see what he's like in a non-Chief's defense, right? Because the Chiefs run a different form of a defense. I mean, with Spagnola, there's a lot of blitz in that'll be a little bit different. But this is a guy who's, for the most part, been pretty darn healthy most of his career. He plays a ton of snaps, reliable tackler you know, has been able to get his hands on the ball. We've seen some decent catches in terms of his interception rate. So, yeah, I think the Browns' secondary needed stability, and that was the one thing that they were searching for. And the players you got to go out and get it are these people that know how to win. You know, shout out to him bringing his dogs into the signing for the press conference. That's a veteran move right there, playing to your crowd. But they also brought in a guy in the secondary, Mike Ford. And this was a Paul Brown special, the UDFA. Are we thinking slot here? Is this kind of the idea for Ford? What's your, what's your take on that one?
2: So he's due to be the backup slot, um, effectively replacing Graham. Um, but he's coming in at one and a half million a year with. 925,000 of it guaranteed. So he's a lot for the roster. Um, takes up to five cornerbacks already locked in on the team, which is incredibly, um, strong, strong and bold, but, for me the most dramatic shift is this movement where in the past we've just kind of churned the bottom of the roster and it's very much that bottom tier of just keep keep trying to find guys and they can play special teams as well when they're here and i don't know if that was just a conscious move by the team to go hey not only are we going to go get bubba ventrone but we're going to actually add talent here um It might also be the fact that they've gone, no, this is the first year they've genuinely felt they could win a Super Bowl. And that might not have been the case in the last four or five years. And they've gone, look, we're going to take specials really seriously. We're going to have legit quality people on specials. And I think that's going to be interesting because you're going to see a lot less churn of the roster because these guys are on guaranteed salaries. It's not like you're going to bring someone in and move Mike Ford off. Mike Ford's here as a core part of the special teams unit. I don't think you'll see much of him. I think the more interesting one is probably Adams as a a linebacker, because even though it's 189 snaps, he did really well as a linebacker. So there's some promise there, whereas Ford can do it, but he's only going out there if there's an injury.
1: Do we think this is the transition of roster type? You know, a lot of times when we talked about during that Odell window, when you're in more of a win now, you need to plug the holes differently. Than you did in the past right when you're building a roster you're just trying to get as many draft picks as possible get so much young talent in here see what you can develop starting to develop your core well i think kind of we know now who the core of this team is both on offense and defense we talked about the fact that we've got seven guys on offense that are all on 10 plus million dollar contracts so bringing in guys like ford bringing in guys like akins you know these are guys who really kind of upgrade that middle tier of talent. And that's kind of, I think, where we've not been. And I think this is the effect that Deshaun Watson has, is when you have a quarterback like him at $46 million, you have to be different with your resources in terms of how you're going to get production out of certain spots. So I'll be curious. I don't know much about him. I know he was a UDFA. I know he spent time in Atlanta with Detroit. So he'll be an interesting guy to watch because you know he's that gunner type of role, which... You know, obviously we loved about Tavier Thomas. So are you going to channel your inner Tavi Tavi love to Mr. Ford?
2: We'll see. He's certainly modest. If there's one thing we picked up about Ford, he, he's 100% modest, um, self-proclaimed best gunner in the entire NFL. Um, Listen,
1: and hey, Sometimes you got, hey, nobody else is going to spike your football. You might as well spike it yourself.
2: Go, go out and earn it. I guess one more name coming back. We don't know the details yet, but Anthony Walker coming back was a really big positive for the team. Um, he was brilliant. Um, It was a small stretch at the start of last season. We're talking two and a half games, I think, um, Mm because I think it was week three he went down. But he played so well um, that it would have been a shame if Anthony Walker wouldn't have returned.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of those ones. Let's set expectations. He still had a very serious injury. If he needs to sit out for, you know, the first few games of the season to make sure that he's 100%, you don't want to see him kind of doing that Jack Conklin where they come back in and they re-injure something else, trying to overcompensate. So, even if he's not on the field in the same capacity he was last year, I still think having him in the locker room, you know, in the past we used to pay $15 million for that type of leadership, and now it seems like we're getting it for a much less price, so... Yeah, I am very happy to have him back. I think a lot of the guys in the locker room are very happy to have him back. Um, so, big, big news there, but not headline-making news, right? I think that's one of those ones where you got to be a fan of the team to know. But all right, who else? We got a uh, we got a couple D linemen.
2: Whatever, really, with the rest of the names, they're they're all solid. Uh, Maurice Hurst is a guy I've always loved, um, but can he stay healthy? Um,
1: any any we need to read into with their contracts in terms of guaranteed money do Hurst either guy none. really have a shoe in to stay
2: Hurst has none but um, Hill has 300,000 which is certainly telling um, that he, he's got a nice shot to make the team but he's not a lock um, so just a, an interesting thing to know and yeah. it's always about guarantees um, we need to wait Josh Dobbs returning apparently all 2 million is fully guaranteed Mond, thanks for being around your practice squad at best. Um so that is a strong sign there.
1: Do we think that was the plan when they let Dobbs go before? I mean I think Happy to have him back. It's a little bit of a weird thing for me. Like not not be personally, but a little weird to see them release him, bring Mond in, know he's not gonna play kind of
2: I think if they if Dobbs was under contract for another year, they would have released Mond. But you when you've got that close to an end of the season, you You keep the guy that's under contract next year if you don't let the free agent go. So I think if Dobbs would have happily said last year of you give me one and a half million guaranteed next year, they could have come to a deal and then they would have released him, but you wouldn't release the guy to then do that. And in all honesty, it's probably helped the Browns. He went and started, was it two games? That's more experience that's now under his belt that wasn't there before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And listen, at the end of the day, when he went to Tennessee, he wasn't Aaron Rodgers, but he also wasn't Malik Willis. So at least you got to see him in some game action. And let's be honest, those were meaningful games. You know, the Titans were fighting for playoff spots and they had to turn to Josh Dobbs. So it, it's great experience for him. Absolutely. But uh, a couple names that were on the Browns that are no longer on the Browns. Our boy yelled to Froholt, signed with the Cardinals, Taven Bryan to Indy, Jacoby the man, Brissett to the Commanders, Greedy going to the Super Bowl runner-up Eagles. Uh, Dearness Johnson signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I thought was a pretty interesting signing. And Chase Winovich went on the Cleveland-Houston to pipeline. He's down there with the Texans. Any of those guys, are you sad to see go? Do you think any of them are going to stick with their new teams and kind of show out a little bit? Or what's your take on some of the former Browns uh, in the departure section?
2: So the only one, based on the deal he signed, that I would have wanted is Dearness Johnson. And I still don't have the numbers yet, but... Him, for me, would have been a really nice addition um, just because I I need another running back in there. I'm not ready. And people are oh, no, give Ford a shot. Ford had 14 snaps, eight carries for 12 yards and zero targets last season. I'm not ready for him to potentially be the uh, running back one for the first four weeks of the season. And people say, well, well, you've got Chubb. Well, what if Chubb goes down right at the end of camp? You have to be ready for any eventuality. So for me, I've got to go out and get a veteran, whether it's Jarek McKinnon, Latavius Murray, Justin Jackson. I just need somebody who I can go, I'm happy with this. And I'm not paying more than the vet men, but just give me some peace of mind. It's all a master.
1: Do we think the Browns have any other moves? Because we obviously talked a little bit about the wide receiver room being a log jam. We talk about there being a hole at running back. Do we think that Andrew Barry is used up all the playable cards at this point? Do we think he maybe tries to turn a Donovan Peoples-Jones maybe into a draft pick? See if you can, you know, escalate his value. I, obviously, we're not in the know. We don't have Andrew Barry's cell phone number, but.
2: we'll We'll start on who else he might add. And then I think we'll finish the show with predicting our wide receiver room because we kind of got distracted and it was meant to be something we'd done. <laughs> Just go, I was going to
1: say, I, I, I feel like at this point I need to have one of these shots that Paul's making. But but so, we're, we're, while we're talking Brown's, Paul's bartending. So
2: so if
0: if we, shout, go- we got some 60, no, 70% rum from Jamaica. If anyone's into their rum, let me know.
1: What does that say? Way and nephew? Ray and nephew? I've never heard of it. For all of our listeners out there, Paul is pouring shots of Ray and nephew rum.
2: 70% rum. The man's an animal. Here we go. Live on the podcast, just for
1: you. This is for the guy that said he wants to smoke a blunt with Paul. This is what you're going to have to deal with in the Muni lot. Ripping shots at the crack of dawn.
0: Honestly, the smell of it turns the nostril hairs. There's quite a lot of them. On fire.
1: It's powerful.
0: Oh.
1: It's hot. It's warm. Is it tickling the belly yet?
0: Yes. (laughs) It actually says on it, don't give to pregnant ladies. Very dangerous.
2: Say the same thing about Paul Brown.
0: But jokes aside, jokes aside, I'm going to let you finish off the show. Uh, I promise everyone that we'll do the questions next show. Well, I, we can get them
2: in. Don't you worry, Paul. We'll get the questions oh, on. Sorry. You sure? You deal with the questions that are related to you only, but we'll okay. we'll deal with the uh, the NFL ones.
0: The, the, the boring technical ones you'll answer. The fun yeah. ones about me, I'll answer, yeah? That's the one. Absolutely. I'll just and I, and I'll keep saying... working on
1: my hello, everybody. I'll keep working on it.
0: I'll just finish up by saying I'm really excited about the free agency and um, looking forward to draft night and, yeah, some real tough decisions for the Cleveland Browns.
1: Yeah, it'll be curious to see. Round three. So you get to take two rounds off. Don't drink too much. So at that rate, Paul, they'll probably be picking somewhere around about 4 a.m. your time.
0: Brilliant. What day's is the draft this year? It's
1: 27th, uh, 28th, somewhere in April. It's about, it's about a month away. That.
0: I think it may clash with Dan Davis's wedding. He's got um, 27, wedding 28,
1: 29. 27, 28, 29th.
0: 27, 28, 29th. Uh, other questions I've got for you, or other news. Miles Garrett is currently living in the UK. He's in the Cotswolds living.
1: Ooh. Ooh.
0: Breaking news. I actually may try and hunt him down.
1: Not literally. Bit, Not literally. That
0: would, be, that would be a bit weird.
1: He seems uh, like a nice guy. Just go and take some pictures with him. Like, literally, sit beside him and take some nature. You know what your you should dinosaur. do? Pick, your, pick him up and drive down to Cornwall and then have him take some photographs down there at Cornwall.
0: That'd be lovely. Um, Thursday, the 27th, UK time. Is that the draft?
1: Yeah, it's the first round, though, so the Browns won't be picking.
0: Uh, Dan Davis' wedding. If you want to keep it a secret, I'm Sorry.
1: See, he was he was strategically planning there to have his wedding on the Browns draft night when they didn't have a pick. Smart man. Right. It's like me. I got married on a
2: one o'clock. I in got married morning. on a bye week.
0: Perfect. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. You go right from the after party to the draft party.
0: Um. Very sad news. Zane Gonzalez got cut. So we had Scorch Hammer with the deal, Greg, Joseph with the deal, and poor Zane got cut. So we didn't get the hat trick. Um. I text saying this morning, fingers crossed, he gets a practice squad or another NFL 32 kicker opportunity.
1: Yeah, I think that injury last year, obviously Carolina, when I think I went out and got what Eddie Panero. So I think he'll definitely have some tryouts. He's going to be busy. I'm sure a lot of teams are really just going to want to know about the physical because that was a pretty serious injury. You know, as a former kicker, my my heart goes out to him on that one because without your leg, you're not much. It's like a quarterback with a bum arm.
0: All right, guys. Just made a grapefruit rum cocktail.
1: All right. Well, hey, these boots weren't made for walking, so enjoy your drink.
0: No worries. And I'll be back on the next podcast, 100% promise. And uh, the season has now officially started for me.
1: You heard it here first. Paul's intro podcast of the new league year. Go Browns. Paul Brown, everybody. Here we
0: go. go, Paul. Go Browns.
2: So to roll with where we were, will they make another addition? L- Let's start with the one that I could see being a starter because there's only one spot, I think, where they could legitimately add a starter, that's defensive tackle two. Um, the two names that intrigue me the most is Matt Ioannidis or Claire Campbell, and both of those have the capabilities also to fill in as an edge. Each played about 200, 250 snaps at edge last season, as well as in the interior. So, um, an interesting one to throw out. What say you? I think that five to six mil is as much as we can realistically get away with.
1: Yeah, I think, I think Barry's done with any of the roster impact moves. Like, if you know, obviously we're, we've been a fan of Ioannidis. um in terms of what he brings to the line. My guess is Barry's doing what he did a couple of years ago, bringing in a Tristan Hill, bringing in a Mo Hurst, and saying. I got one spot, right? One of you two guys come in and take it. Does that mean? now? listen, Jack, if both of them ball out, the bottom of the roster gets bumped down one, right? So at the end of the day, if, you know, these, Tristan Hill is a former second-round pick. Moe Hurst was top talent but ended up sliding to the fifth because of a heart issue that he seem to have been able to play with. The problem is he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. So if he's able to play like he's capable of playing, you may have 3D tackles right there. You may have Dalvin Tomlinson, Tristan Hill, and Mo Hurst. And then the other guys are on the outside looking in. I get it. But I think that is kind of the approach he's taken. Obviously, the wide receiver room is log jammed. Height end, I don't see it. So, yeah, I think we're talking vets in terms of minimums, running back, linebacker, maybe a safety or a corner. Somebody just to come in and compete for a camp spot.
2: I'd love to see Michael Dunn come back at guard. I think that'd just be a really nice one to have a, a, a solid veteran, especially if you've got Deaton and Harris behind.
1: Well, after seeing your uh, your list of available guards in the draft, I think that that might not be a bad idea to bring them back. How many guards qualified for the Jack Duffin draft board?
2: I think it was three, and just that's just because one of them we don't know his age. Um, they are old, old dudes.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times with this year, we, they were kind of getting into the effects of the COVID year. So I wouldn't be shocked if this may be a year where some of the older guys that are a year older than they normally would have been just because of the college football season being so out of whack. But, yeah, I just think at this point, I mean, we're talking about bringing in damn near close to 15. Yeah, I think that's really the other position where you're looking. Rudy Ford was obviously my guy going back to Green Bay. But outside of that, Jack, I think they're just going to say, hey, let the best man win. Bring him in. Let him compete. You know, let them knock the dirt off and see what's going on out there. So they need to get up. more physical and they need to get more fast. And they did both of those things.
2: Let's wrap up with this. And we, we've teased it out long enough because I'll actually put it into the uh, headline of the podcast. Who is going to make the 53? So I, let's start with a four and rule them out.
1: Two yeah, players, I think the BPJ, top four of these
2: More are... bell done. Then what happens? And this is based, let's base this on Marquise Goodwin having 152,500 guaranteed. Yeah. So
1: no camp spot guaranteed. Yeah. So that brings us our laundry list of, so we said Bell, Moore, Cooper, and DPJ are in. So now we have Schwartz, Jakeem Grant, Marquise Goodwin, Mike Harley, who was, by the way, teammates in high school with Elijah Moore. Um, and not the Elijah Moore that uh, a prod- our prominent Browns Twitter person put out there, who that was actually not Elijah Moore, shirtless in his picture. Um, Jalen Darden, Baldwin, who am I forgetting? Anybody? Weston. Isaiah Weston, Yeah, he was. He had a couple uh, nice Marcus catches last Stevenson. year in camp until he got hurt. No idea who that guy is. If he was standing next to me at Target,
2: he was from the Bills.
1: I'm trying to think, Jack. I, realistically, you can't have Goodwin and Schwartz on the same team. So that we know. So one of those two guys is in and one of those yeah. two guys is out. I right? think and, out in with- all fairness, like let's not forget Marquise Goodwin's had some hamstring issues. So it's very likely that one of these guys ends up on IR during the during camp when you got that many guys. So I'm going to read through the names. As I pulled them up. Dalen Baldwin, Jalen Darden, Mike Harley Jr., Anthony Schwartz, Marquez Stevenson. Isaiah Weston and Mike Woods. Woods is the one I could I forgot about.
2: So we take the four locks out. We've got ten guys left battling for two spots. I think there's three legitimate options in that ten, and that is Goodwin, Woods, and Grant.
1: I think those would be your. If they're do if they're rolling out the depth chart, I think yes. I think you're talking about Grant, Goodwin, and Schwartz. Schwartz, obviously, they're gonna when they're running those plays, those guys are gonna run the same thing. And so, who knows? Maybe Goodwin's here to help Schwartz.
2: What if they then draft someone?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I'd be pissed off if I was one of these free agents. But, you know, listen, they know. when We talked about it. We knew that, the, like, the Meikle Hardmans, we knew that they weren't going to go get any of these guys with big guaranteed money for this very reason. And then they add Elijah Moore. I would say you're probably looking at Grant and Goodwin Those would probably be my leaders in the clubhouse. However, you know, they, if that's the case, they have the shortest wide receiver room in the history of all wide receiver rooms. So my wild card is Isaiah Weston and I'm only making him the wild card because he's the only receiver on the roster above six foot two.
2: I think Weston and Harley probably have a really good shot of making the practice squad. Um, I think those two really see because they'll generally keep six on the roster and two on the practice squad. Um, I think those two are a nice position to land there.
1: And for the people out there, I don't see them in any way, shape or form keeping seven wide receivers. I know that's been a little bit of a discussion. It's just too many. because You're talking about getting into now 27 offensive players. Well, it,
2: it would probably be at the expense of a running back. And it's like they tend to keep four running backs because running back four is a special team's role. So you wouldn't you want to You think they maybe that. move
1: Felton back into the running back room?
2: I don't think so.
1: I, I, didn't, I didn't mention him in the wide receiver room because the Browns obviously have him listed as a running back. But any chance they say, listen, Demetric, you ain't making it as a wide receiver. So you better figure out how to play running back. They certainly could.
2: Um, but he's then spent his entire offseason practicing to be a wide receiver. So I think a team for him to land on is the 49ers. I could certainly see him there.
1: Yeah. So Jack, who are your, who are your two? Who, who are your, as, who are your two?
2: As of today, I think it's Woods and Goodwin. And if they draft a guy, Woods is out and it's Goodwin and the rookie making the team.
1: Mm-hmm. There you go. With the heater that Jack's been on, if your book offers those odds, which it likely does not, unless you live in Cleveland, may not be a bad idea to put a couple bucks on it because at some point he'll run dry or he'll run cold. But right now he's on a hot streak, so if he says Woods and Goodwin betting favorites, you might change the odds, Jack. You may go from like a minus one ten to a minus one twenty.
2: But that's the team you go with, and then in a year's time, Goodwin gets replaced by another rookie, and then the year after that, Cooper's gone, and then you bring in another rookie. And that room could be stacked then. Um, so I think just keep adding talent. But what we're going to do, because we bounced around some ideas for this show and then the good wind news happened and the more news happened and we kind of threw everything out the window. Um, we're probably going to sit down and maybe do um, just a, a whole look at where the offensive side is and then the defensive side, where they might add some draft picks, and what that does to each room as well. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to try to get some guests on who are then specialised and let's chat about because we're into the depths of the draft. Now we're talking yeah. mid to late third through bring on some expert and just chat about say the running back room, the edge room um, and really discuss some names. But if you love draft tomorrow, if you are listening to this on Friday, if not today, if you listen to it on Saturday over at the OBR, I'm dropping the updated age and athletic uh, guardrails draft board so that's got loads of great data to see who's likely a Browns pick and who would be unprecedented for them to pick. I'm not saying they won't draft an old dude, but it would be unprecedented. And so that, that just gives you a tell for what Andrew Berry likes to do. And it was funny. Lots of people telling me the last couple of months, age guard rails are dead. They've got too much needs. They need people now. Those same people are like, well, we don't really have any needs. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it, it's interesting how it changes.
1: Yeah, and and listen, it's one of those things where the Browns eliminated any talk that Deshaun Watson doesn't have weapons, right? They, they may not be the weapons you wanted, right? You may have said, I wanted Brandon Cooks or I wanted Jerry Judy, but the Browns said, hey, here are some guys. Go make these guys grown men, right? And that's, I think, ultimately what they're doing. You cannot fault Barry for just using up capital wisely, right? Using that 42 pick wisely to get in, controllable talent and still not getting fleeced in the process. So there's almost a built in fail safe there. So you can't, you can't knock him for that. And then it's time for that core to step up. All right. And we want prolonged winning in Cleveland. That's ultimately what we want is we want guys that can come in and compete every single year, year in and year out. And we're one step closer to that overall. There's some people out there that were given the Browns, the highest marks in free agency. So, and most of those are the analytic people because they see these under, you know, under the radar stats, like replacement wins, which is a big baseball stat, offensive efficiency, yards per play, these type of the stats where the Browns seem to be maximizing a lot of their value.
2: So before we wrap up questions, so we've got Billy YC626. Do you see the Browns trying to move back into the second round? And if so, what would it take to do it?
1: no they're not going to move back that's too much of a jump you're talking about getting from pick 74 into the top 64 which would probably end up costing you either pick 98 or a multitude of your fourth round picks to get into that as we talked about there's such a group of grouping of players net 30 spot, whoever falls out of the second round. Now, if they move maybe two or three spots around the third round and do a pick swap in six to seven, maybe, but no, I don't see them making an appreciable jump up from 74.
2: Yeah, it's not. I'm going to have an article though, as we get nearer the draft, I'm going to look at every single pick the Browns have trades up trades down in the last five years from that spot, just to give you an idea for what they might do. Um, the only, the second question, because the rest are, are like crazy questions for Paul. And uh, thank you for submitting those. Um, I I apologize in advance for murdering this name. Joe Jakubek. It's a cool name, but I've probably pronounced it wrong. How do you deal with people who still claim Dorsey was the best and Berry is the worst GM? People want the war chest blown apart every year and not strategically building for now and the future. Joe, what I say to those sort of people is embrace day drinking. Because day drinking is the only way you could come up with such a ridiculous take. Um, Andrew Berry is far superior than anything John Dorsey has ever dreamed of. If you start looking back, and a a good exercise for people, if they want to sort of praise um, Dorsey for all this stuff, is go and take the draft, say his first draft, and then take out all the picks that Sashi Brown acquired for him, and then just do the draft that is like, oh, they took Baker Mayfield, Austin Corbett, a DJ, and then suddenly that draft doesn't look so good. And people are like, oh, but what about Chubb? What about this? What about that? So, oh, that was just extra capital that another GM acquired for him. Judge him on what he picked with his own picks, and it's hot trash.
1: As you can imagine, Jack's wrong. Dorsey, not the worst GM, not the best GM. Barry's not the worst. He's not the best. When you take over a football team, you have to imprint your stamp of approval on it. Dorsey wanted a little bit more flash, a little bit more physicality. It, the OBJ trade kind of tarnished a little bit of you know what he was trying to do. I don't have any ill will towards John Dorsey. I think the number of people out there saying he's the best has gotten a little bit thinner. I think that that crowd has thinned out. I don't think he's the worst. We've had a laundry list of worse GMs than, than uh, John Dorsey. At least he brought style and he brought quotes to this building. You know, Freddie Kitchens obviously brought T-shirts. But Barry has a different approach. And the problem Barry runs into when it comes to the fan base, not with actually building of the football team, is... When you have a brain like Jack, or you have a brain like Andrew Barry, or you have a brain like Kevin Stefanski or myself, we're process oriented people, right? So when you're playing chess, you don't think about where can I move this pawn to? You think about if I move this pawn here, what happens? So my wife, it drives her nuts because I can never make a singular decision. Every decision I make in my life, whether it's at work, at home always has multi-steps involved to it. I make a reason to put that piece on that chessboard there for a reason. It it requires an extensive amount of energy, effort, and non-laziness to train yourself to think outside of singular action. And with Andrew Barry you're appealing to a fan base who is a lot more muscle, a lot more blue collar, a lot more just grit, right? Grind it out. Just get some maulers. That's why all the fans love the offensive line because they're just mean, tough SOBs. But that's also why the West Coast offenses and all the gimmick plays and all this stuff, they don't like that. They don't want it. They want hard, smash mouth, old school Paul Brown football. And Barry bringing in a modernistic style thinking to being GM where cash and cap and all these different, you know, variable components, right? How many people had ever heard of a veteran uh, offset really? And, you know, we sign him for this, but it only counts as this much towards the cap. It's a different way of thinking. And as data becomes more prominent in the game of football and in the game of baseball or any other sport, you need a GM that can do both what John Dorsey does And that sit down and look a safety in the face and say, can you play the game of football? But in the same sense, you need a guy also who understands the business aspect of it, right? It's kind of like sales and accounting. They're just two different skill sets. And I think that's why it's tough for people to delineate between John Dorsey and Andrew Barry, because you're talking about two people with completely different functioning brains. Both can be successful just in different ways.
2: So I think that's it. Any last words?
1: I must say, just overall, I'm shocked the Browns were this active. I didn't think we were going to have this much to talk about. I really didn't. So, it's good. I like the picks. I like, you know, who they've gone ahead. And I say picks in terms of who they selected in free agency. I can see the logic behind all of the moves. where it may not be the player or whatever it is that I would have thought. That's fine. I don't have the inside info they do. So, I think it's going to be very interesting. I really do. I think OTA's starting up here in a couple months will be interesting when we start seeing guys out there running around. Let's just knock on wood. No injuries. Let's get through OTAs. No serious injuries. What do you got? Go Browns. Go Browns and stay sober, Paul.
2: Gilsey fucking sucks.